maybe this place is like a portal or a vortex or something. Maybe. Like we were talking about in the last episode. Maybe this is all things. At the old spaghetti factory. It's everything. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And as promised last week, at least maybe in the live version of the show mm-hmm. where we chat with people afterward on youtube.com slash gt2upod, we are covering tunnel stuff. Spooky stuff. Weird tunnels inspired by Will's coverage of the Cabbage Town monster mm-hmm. that lives in a tunnel underneath Ontario. I believe so. Yeah, we're going back underground, mm-hmm. Toronto. That's right. Toronto. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're getting sub subterranean. Yeah, we're getting subterranean, y'all. Here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> may I kick it off? Oh, please do. Can I start the proceedings? I would love that. Okay, I decided to go in a different direction this week. Are you noticing that my notes look quite scant? Your notes seem to fit on one <laughs> phone screen. How's this going to go? That's because I'm taking it out a whole new door. Okay. Um. So I, I started researching you know the how tunnels. long my notes are. Yeah, I see. <laughs> That's because I'm going to be doing readings. Okay. This week, um, I decided to look at Reddit and see what fictional stories people have written about yes. tunnels. Cool. Because I started doing my research and I was finding stuff that's cool but very brief. Um, cause I was looking for like real people's real encounters in tunnels and it would be like somebody crashed their car here and now you see their ghost. And that's like the end of the story. I, I found incredibly short stories where they're like, they say you can hear a cat here. Yeah. It's like that. So that's all they had. I was like, I know that there's cool tunnel stuff. Why don't I see what's going on on Reddit? Yeah. And I found cool things on the no sleep community. Um, one that is, I think at least purported to be real because the author of it um, was answering questions in the comments as though it were real. But in my mind, I'm like, how could it possibly be once I, I know what you're about to say, like sometimes they keep up the illusion, yeah. but it just didn't feel that way. And okay. you all can, with the notes, excuse me, the link will be in the show notes. So you can check it out and see if you think that that is what they were doing was just keeping up the thing. Um, but for some reason at the moment, I didn't feel like it was. Okay. And also the person who wrote this first story that I'll read us, uh, goes by Inferious X on reddit and not that you couldn't do a one-off <laughs> fictional story and then just live your life but based on their reddit activity they just kind of like participate in random boards and stuff it didn't seem like there were other stories written um however i will say that this was written 10 years ago and i didn't go 10 years through this person's Fair enough. archive so it could be there but it just kind of from what i looked at it seemed like a normal person put up a story that happened to be freaky and then went about their business. I wonder if that's a thing. Cause I'm so used to the no sleep subreddit as being a place for like horror fiction. Right. I wonder if it is, or used it, to be 10 years ago, a place for people to just be like, this is something that happened to me. That's, that's the vibe that it had. I felt and same. I mean, no sleep is for fiction, but because it's so old, yeah. I was like, maybe it's a little bit different. I, I, mean, I don't famously, know. Famously, my, my favorite story out of no sleep ever mm-hmm. is a, a series of stories that are called pen pal. Right. Dathan Auerbach. That's right. And that was all very much like, here's something that happened to me. Yes. And then in the comments writing like, I, you know, I'm talking to my mom this week to see if uh, she can fill in any bit, any more of what happened. You're right. So it is a lot of like, I'm telling a story and then I'm keeping that fictional reality alive in the comments. Yeah. 
You're right. I'm sure it is just that. Well, I let's hear what it, was, it is. I hope it's so. It's not so crazy. <laughs> I hope it's so out there now. <laughs> no, it's not really. Um, but for some reason, in the like when I was looking at the comments, I was like, oh, it sounds like they're he's talking about this genuinely or something. But I okay. don't know. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. It's called The Tunnel. And like I said, this is by Inferius X. I was all of about five years old. My mother was pregnant with what was going to be my little sister. Also, people really jumped on that. And what They're was like, going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are a bunch of comments about that. Myself, her, and my father were, were out on a fishing trip at a nearby river in Montana. The road to this area often fell into states of ridiculous disrepair. Certain areas that you have to drive extremely careful if the vehicle you were driving didn't have four-wheel drive. The surrounding area was serene, but somewhat creepy at times. This particular event happened in mid-June, but still fairly high up in the mountains. It's not uncommon for the weather to still be pretty cool and wet. This day was no exception. One side of the river was a steep decline that went to the river. One side of the road, excuse me, was a steep decline that went to the river. The other side is an even steeper incline that goes up into thick trees, and on this particular day, thick fog. We've been fishing for a little while with mild success. I know this because if my father was in a good spot, you couldn't move him for all the money in the world. I was going to say, you knew it was mild success because it was just like a tiny fish. (laughs) You know? With mild success. I could tell because the fish we caught was very little. Uh, So the fact that we got back into the car from our initial fishing spot and proceeded to drive down the road indicated that my dad was not pleased with his luck at that particular bend of the brook. The three of us were in in an old Chevy coupe, my parents up front and me by my lonesome in the middle of the back seat. My father got to talking as he would do and probably drove a little further than he'd intended. He slowly came to a stop when he realized we had come to a point in the road that went into what what used to be an old railroad tunnel. Here we go. Here comes the tunnel. Okay. It's not just a story about fishing and small ones. Uh, The tunnel... (laughs) (laughs) The tunnel wasn't that long, maybe half a mile at the most, but it got dark very fast if you went into it. Regardless of its short stretch, the light on the other side felt like the exit to the other side was miles away. Dad... You know, they say these tunnels are haunted by people who killed themselves on the train tracks. Mom, stop it. You're going to scare him. Dad, well, I'm just letting him know. Should we go through and something happen? My father leaned over the driver's seat and looked at me wide-eyed. In an older age, I would have thought it humorous. At five years old, it was terrifying. Even before my father's grandstanding, I didn't want to go in there. Something about the very sight of the tunnel unnerved me. Had there been a back door to the car, I would have considered bailing out as my father drove closer. The car crept along at what felt like a turtleish crawl. It, t- <laughs> I know. Uh, it took no time at all for darkness to completely envelop everything. Within seconds, it was so dark inside the car that I couldn't even clearly see my parents, who were a foot away from me. Suddenly, it became slightly more luminescent as my father popped the round lever that turned on the headlights. There were various bits of debris and rock that had to be navigated around inside of the tunnel. Little bits of barb and concrete that had fallen to the dirt many years before we had decided to traverse this eerie passage. The car came to a sudden halt. Within a second, the lights had been turned off and the engine died. Me. Mom. Dad. Oh, no. Mom. Stop it. You're scaring him. Knock it off. My you're father, killing you're him! killing him! My mistake. <laughs> Blow out the candles! Yeah. This is from Seinfeld. You're killing him! 
George has a, a memory of being a kid and having a birthday it's party. So Blow out the candles! Stop it, Frank! You're killing him! Uh, sorry. Oh, I apologize. No, I thought the same thing. Uh, my father let out a slight chuckle, though myself and my mother were far from amused. Young the George. Laughter. <laughs> Where's that show? What show did you say recently? Young something? Young Santa. Young Santa. That's right. That was last week, I think. In regards Young Schultz to- has been around for years now. It's a bit late to be making all these jokes, but I'd watch Is Young it- George and Young Santa. Oh, I sure would. Um, is Young Sheldon still on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kristen. Oh, uh, yeah. Kristen, I've never seen it. And sometimes the internet says, like, the big plot hole, the big Big Bang Theory plot hole raised when Moira <laughs> said this to Sheldon's grandma. I'm like, ah, oh, God, I guess I got to click this. I guess I got to know. There's a tweet. It's like such a not big thing, but it, it was like, I've never seen the TV show Once Upon a Time. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Like, it's not anymore, but it was a, like all fairy tale creatures. Yeah, it was right? a live action show about fairy tale creatures. And as the seasons went on, they added on like more and more. I think it was mostly Disney creatures or something and it was like i've never seen once upon a time but every once in a while i'll see a headline that's like pocahontas like f simba and like <laughs> i'm trying to think of another thing yeah and uh snow white is pissed yeah, or whatever yeah. and they're just like whoa what does that mean yeah and what i'm gonna need show? to i gotta check in it's so funny no option um so stop it. You're scaring him. Knock it off. My father let out a slight chuckle, though myself and my mother were far from amused. The laughter quickly ceased from my dad when he turned the key to the old Chevy only to hear a click sound in response. Now, what the hell? Mom, stop messing around. Turn the car back on. Dad, I'm not. M- thud. Suddenly, the whole car felt as though it hopped in the air, like we had hit a small ramp while moving at a considerable speed. Except no such thing had happened. We were completely still. Dad, what the hell was that? Mom, what What are you doing? I, Dad, dear, I didn't do that. How, a, thud, thud, thud. Three huge bumps. It was, as, it was as if a large invisible hand was violently rocking the car. My father was now cursing up a storm and frantically turning the key. The car wouldn't respond at all. Yeah, that's right. You invited this. Yeah. Thud, 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 thud. The car was now rocking without pause. My mother became hysterical. <laughs> That's she's hysterical. She's <laughs> yeah, like uh, terrified. I covered my eyes. Then came the screams. At first, I thought it was the frantic cries of my mother. But within seconds, I realized that there were two sets of screams. My mom's and a much more ear piercing and sinister scream that sounded as if it was right behind me. At this age, I'd never known what it was like to hear someone scream as if they were dying or about to die. But I knew even at that young age that the screams I heard behind me must have been what they sounded like. And the clawing. There were frantic clawing sounds, like an animal was trapped in a metal box and trying desperately to escape. I felt my mother's arms wrap around me. As much of a moment of relief as this was, I could still hear the screaming and clawing. I was still so terrified I didn't dare open my eyes. My mother's grip began to feel tight. She must have been as scared as I was. Gradually, the embrace tightened to where I started to have trouble ble- trouble breathing. I went to open my mouth to say something, but my mom's hand covered it before I could even breathe a word. Her hand felt ice cold and was trembling. She's had to have She had to have obviously been so scared that she didn't realize what she was doing. Suddenly, she let me go. 
I still had my eyes closed until I heard the most relieving of sounds. Vroom! The old Chevy roared to life. I opened my eyes. The headlights were now on. Both parents were dead silent as the only sound now was the growl of the old V6 getting us out of that darkened hell. I know. It's like a Stephen King like move. Yeah. Uh, getting us out of that darkened hell. The screaming and rocking had stopped as well. My father didn't ease up on the gas at all, even as we exited to the other side of the tunnel. Remember, this is a mountain road that is very poorly maintained. Driving quickly, one risks actually causing real damage to a vehicle, or even worse, losing control and veering off the road and into the river. My father could have cared less. About 100 yards away from the tunnel, my father gradually came to a stop and pulled off onto the side of the road. The three of us were completely silent. Dad slowly opened the door and got out of the car. He walked around to the trunk and opened it. Now, from my perspective, I obviously obviously couldn't see much. Through a small window of space between the trunk lid and the rest of the car, I could see a little bit of my father and I could tell he wasn't moving. My mother became impatient. What is he doing? Mom? My voice was incredibly weak. Yes, dear. You were squeezing me too tight. I couldn't breathe. When? Back, Back there. My mom's face went ghost white. Honey, I haven't touched you. After a short while, my father slammed the trunk shut and hurried back into the car. We're done fishing. We're going home. Now. My mother asked, what? Dad just cut her off completely. What? (laughs) 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 My dad just cut her off completely. Immediately. With a sharp shaking of his head, followed by his eyes flashing back towards me in the back seat. Whatever it was that he saw, he didn't want to discuss it with me present. We finally get back to the house. My father tells my mom to take me upstairs before he unloads the gear from the trunk. Mom takes me by the hand, leads me up into the house, and tells me to stay in my room and not come out until they're done bringing the rest of the fishing stuff into the house. Dad and Mom get done bringing everything in. Mom starts dinner, and everyone kind of settled back into a more normal routine. I, of course, was still dreadfully curious as to see what was in the trunk, as to what was in the trunk that I wasn't allowed to see. My father had fallen asleep on the couch and my mom was preoccupied with her cooking. Even at that age, I knew they hung the, I knew where they hung the spare keys and which key went to what. I grabbed the key for the old Chevy and went out to the front and went out the front door to tell my mom I was going to play in the yard while I waited for dinner to be ready. I pretended to play a little bit with some sticks in the yard just so I wouldn't get busted by running straight out to the car. Just banging sticks together. Twang, twang. All right, everything's fine. Everything's cool. To the car. (laughs) Is this all leading to uh, if you're riding in a Chevy and you feel so I was. I was reading out loud, so I didn't have the formula, the brain power to formulate the same joke, but I absolutely thought the same thing. I think I know. Yes. I think I know what dad did. I think I know what comes next. Yeah. Diarrhea. Dad silently got out of the car and didn't say anything. (laughs) He stayed quite still at the back toward the trunk. (laughs) Take Junior upstairs. I have to clean out the car. You and me clean out the car. You help me. And then dad went to go sleep on the couch because he was sick Mm -hmm. and spent. I'm sick. I just need to sleep. He's dehydrated. I'm and feeling mom's very co- sick. <laughs> mom's cooking up some white rice and chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dad's joke <laughs> went the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Joke's on dad. Oh, God. Okay, so he pretended to bang a stick <laughs> around Smash for a while. Sticks around. Okay. Once I had made a couple of glances at the window to make sure I wasn't being watched, I snuck around the yard head just to where the car was parked. The anticipation was one of excitement, not one of fear. (laughs) 
I slid the key into the lock and popped the trunk. My excitement quickly turned into a sensation of pure horror. I was barely able to breathe seeing what I saw. The entire interior of the trunk upholstery was shredded as if a wild animal with claws was locked inside of it. There were dark red crusted stains spattered all over the tatters of cloth and the smell. (laughs) What? And the smell. Oh, God, the smell. (laughs) It's as if Infurious X knew. I know. The joke we would make. Yeah. I was too young to know what I was smelling (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. Babies are some of the first to know. (laughs) They're they're ahead of us all. It's one of the first things we learn. Yeah. Uh, I was too young to know what I was smelling, but my older self (laughs) knows what it was that offended the senses. It was the smell of death. It smelled like dead, rotting flesh and not from fish. (laughs) I closed the trunk quietly and snuck back into the house. I never told my parents that I went out and looked at the inside of the trunk. They ended up getting rid of the car a few months later. They practically gave it away for the price that they sold it for. I can't say I blame them. Every fishing trip in that area then after, once we got to the tunnel, we'd turn around and head back the other way. That was always the sign that we had, it's almost done, that we had fished all the river that we had cared to that day. I revisited the area many times as an adult, and I still can't bring myself to go back in there. Just the sight of it sends chills down my spine. So every every time they went, they drove to the tunnel and then went, nah. I know. Turned around? I don't know how they got home. <laughs> how did you get home? Because it seems like they had to go through the tunnel in order to get home. Every time we got to the tunnel, we just turned and drove up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting to think the story might be made up. Kristen, I think the story could be a work of fiction. I think you could be right. The smell. Oh, God, the smell. Um, I mean, it was but cool. It's a cool That's story. Cool. I mean, it's a cool story. you know, punctuating it with poop jokes aside or whatever. Well, yeah. To be driving, basically the premise is that they were driving through a tunnel. It gets super black. Yeah. And then all of a sudden their car is rocking and they're hearing scary that noises. Scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They drive home and something is shredded in the trunk i can see it that is you know like i can see it in my mind's eye i Mm -hmm. this could easily be like a short horror yeah film like it's it's great it's good yeah it seems like it's a it's a fairly you know not a huge one but people seem to like that and i have to tell you it does seem to be it does seem to line up with some urban legends Mm -hmm. i've seen around tunnels like what from my research um maybe i'll just say your actual story Uh because um, a, a notion like that sort of plays up. So I, I found out about something called this. This was really my big my big gun. Yeah, <clears throat> the Twin Tunnels of Downington, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad that I went the Reddit route because I saw this too, and it is very cool. It's it's super cool. Uh, it appears to be you know it's true. Yeah, it's something that people say mm-hmm. right. Um, so there's this whole notion of these tunnels in Downington, Pennsylvania, the Twin Tunnels. Um, they appear to be abandoned today. I've seen multiple Reddit threads yeah. of people being like, I tried to get to the Twin Tunnels and I couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess they're hard to get to. Weirdly, for the Twin Tunnels, there are three of them. Oh. So that's a little strange. Yeah. Like the left tunnel does, you know, drainage. The right, right. tunnel is for something else. The middle tunnel is really the one that we're interested in. Okay. I think I saw other Twin Tunnels. I'm sure there are oh, more. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, but so uh, there are a few uh, stories that people seem to commonly equate with um yeah with a, with with like a haunting of this tunnel mm-hmm. but then i have sort of accounts of other people um experiencing their own 
phenomena when yeah. they went to visit the twin tunnels. So uh, let's just jump to some of that because it seems to yeah. almost like kind of line up with what you were just saying. Um, I think, I hope I'm jumping to the right one. Somebody said that they drove through the tunnel and they heard things banging on the roof okay. of their car. Very similar to your story right. of like, you drive through the tunnel and granted they parked in the middle of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And somebody was able to, like, fully sneak up on them and shake the car. Right. This way and that way, to and fro. Yes. Hither and yawn. Sure. Um, but I do like the – very similar of, like, go through the tunnel and something is going to interact with you. Right. Um, in this case, this urban legend of, like, hearing it on the roof in particular also lines up with the urban legend of uh, of a girl and a guy who parked out at, you know, make-out point. Yeah. He gets out of the car mm-hmm. and she hears scraping on the roof. Right. And she tries to drive away, not knowing that he's hanging from a noose that is tied to the bumper. What a classic. It is a classic. That's God, a great one. Oh, I love an urban legend. I do, too. Love an urban legend. I do, too. Um, but so uh, here's here's the sort of like broader story about the twin t- tunnels of Downington, Pennsylvania. Um, and this comes from thelineup.com. Um, <clears throat> halfway down, again, the middle tunnel we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. And I almost want to give like something of a trigger warning i don't know if what i'm about to tell you is actually true but it's pretty gruesome pretty messed up pretty sad okay um well you gotta say what the warning is for though yeah i uh, uh infant death okay yeah oh i did see this then yes. saw this? Yep. yeah so halfway down the tunnel they say that um there's a vertical shaft in like the ceiling that goes up to some railroad tracks so almost just like you know you go halfway through the tunnel and then directly overhead there's a cutout mm-hmm. in the roof um, and they say, there's a quote, rumor has it a young unwed mother hanged herself inside the shaft in the 19th century. She was holding her baby in her arms. So when she died, it fell to its death in the tunnel below. Um, as a result, it said that you can sometimes hear the crying of a baby Yeah. Um, in the middle of the night. But there, there are more things. Um, evidently, there's some sort of a wire I, I didn't really understand this, how it was explained. There's a wire that runs between two of the tunnels. Okay. Must be from, like, the entrances outside. Just a wire that connects the tunnels. And a man is said to have hung himself from that wire. Okay. And you can also see him. <clears throat> okay. So, a baby, a woman who hanged herself, and this man who hanged himself. Mm-hmm. I just want to point something Packed out. Packed house. Packed house, but I want to point something out. The woman was described as a young, unwed mother, mm-hmm. right? Who then kills her own kid right. by taking her own life. The man is described as just a man. Uh-huh. There is no posited backstory. Right. He doesn't kill anybody on his way. Yeah, there's no, like, judgment. Thing. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like this, this notion of the unwed mother... The young unwed mother doing something, you know. Yeah, no, it feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, quote, the age of these stories makes them nearly impossible to confirm or deny. But the tale of this next thing is true. Okay. Trigger warning. Murder. Okay. This is a true story I'm about to tell you. Mm -hmm. Um, A dismembered body. Okay. So I don't want to linger on this. Sure. Particularly, this is genuinely a murder case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an unsolved murder case. Some of my information comes from the Doe Network for J- oh, I gotcha, John gotcha. Doe's to try to figure out who these these people are who have been murdered and we don't know their identity. Yeah. Still to this day. So, um, 
there was a body found in a suitcase. The torso was wrapped in a sheet and then placed in a plastic quilt bag. The bag was then wrapped in a quilt and placed in a suitcase, which in turn was bound with wire, taped, and placed in a garbage bag. Okay. Layers. Yeah, very, yeah. Layers upon layers upon <clears throat> layers of wrapping in something, placing right. in a bag. 50 Lots different, of insurance. I guess, but I don't understand the logic. And maybe there is no logic, right? It, what? You're trying to keep it from getting uncovered or whatever. It didn't. It did. I know, but they didn't. I mean, they were hoping it wouldn't. Uh, That's the only reason you would do all that, right? I guess. It's Why just a, a level of, you know, yeah. insanity they must that have, I can't. It completely is, but they must have thought that those were all a bunch of fail-safes. I guess But it so. just didn't work. Yeah. So um, then this comes from the lineup again. Uh, six months after the suitcase was opened. Now, granted, this was just a torso, no legs. Six months later, a pair of legs were found in Middletown Township, about 20 miles away. They were too decomposed to definitively match them to the murdered woman in the suitcase. However, according to the medical examiner, the bones did seem to quote-unquote fit with those of the torso left in the suitcase, which is mm -hmm. spooky. Yeah. Awful. Yes. Uh, the lugs have to be somewhere, two different dump sites, basically. I guess basically. it's kind of Occam's razor. But also just like a medical examiner going like, maybe it that goes right. with this. It's I know. Kind of it's a little horrific line it, of work. It's, yeah, it's scary sometimes how much just sort of like, um, it's not necessarily like professional knowledge comes into play. It's You're like, well, like, it seems this like it. seems this is missing legs. I found these legs. Right. Probably, yeah, right? Maybe. Which is true. Could be. Yeah. Um, the murder has been added to the lore of the tunnels with reports that you can sometimes hear a woman crying, help me. So, the unwed young mother, her ghost doesn't appear. Right. The baby she was holding does. The man does. And this murder victim does. Huh. You know? Weird. Know. It's just yeah. weird, right? Other times you may find... And also it's just kind of ascribing things to this cast of characters i know you know, you know i mean just, like we don't know do even know? if the the young mother the baby and the guy are even real right but just who decided that whatever activity that's happening in there it's all everybody but not that lady not that like there's lady. no factual reason to think that or not exactly i mean weird. i guess theoretically help me yeah. If you've gone someplace to take your own life, maybe you're not saying that, but you might. You Absolutely, you might. Well, there must be things other than the help me, though. I guess. Yeah, right? Because that guy wouldn't have said that either then if he was taking his life. But they well, say he shows up. Well, they just say that he's like seen. So. Oh, literally seen. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Um, other times you may find macabre graffiti where her body was found, like a suitcase with an arm sticking out of it. That's screwed up. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very callous. So then here are some of the uh, things that people have just like written about their own experiences at this tunnel, which I cool. thought were interesting. I like finding things that just people are totally. writing online. These aren't even like articles. They, they're not posting these things necessarily uh, to get their own attention. They're just saying, here's right. I, I went there. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> this was posted uh, by Wangus Rex mm. uh, somewhere. I <laughs> wonder, wonder where this was posted. <laughs> Let me see. On Reddit. We're going to find okay, out. It was on Reddit. Um, story as I've heard it is that if you stop in the middle of the bridges where there is an opening up above and turn your headlines, headlights off and blow the horn, you might see the person who hung themselves from the top 
hanging ah. there. So that is very similar <laughs> to the story that you just read. Right. Right? Stop yeah, you the stop car and do partway something. through the bridge. Yep. Then this comes from phantomsandmonsters.com where somebody describes something that we had not seen before. Um, a shadow being. Ah. According to folklore, if you walk through the tunnels at night, you emerge from the other end with scratches on your arm. Oh. That's fascinating. Uh-huh. Or if you drive through it, as we did, you could hear the feet of the suicidal pregnant woman dangling on top of your car. Mm. That's similar to your story. Yes. So I'm starting at the mouth of the tunnel when all of a sudden I see a dark figure walk across the mouth of the tunnel. I'm amazed, mind you. Yeah. They say. (laughs) I mean, I would be too. Almost didn't believe it until it turns into the tunnel and starts walking directly towards the car. I can only describe it as an extremely tall humanoid figure with broad shoulders, long arms that dangle almost down to its knees, and a rectangular-shaped head. The hell's this thing? With no distinguishing features, just completely black. At this point, it's getting closer, and I'm so freaked out that I instinctually turn the car on, the lights flash on, and the thing vanishes. We have a response from somebody else about that Hey, A rebuttal or a confirmation? A seemingly confirmation. A humanoid creature stepped out from the trees and began to cross the bike trail in front of us. It was probably close to seven feet tall, extremely slender with knobby knees and elbows. Mm. It was all black with long arms that hung past its knees and slightly hunched. We only got the side view. But from what I could tell, it had no facial features at all. And it did have an odd-shaped head, but I would say more of a diamond than your rectangle that you saw. I remember its head coming to more of a point. It was so long-legged that it had walked out of the tree line, took one step in the middle of the bike trail, and then with the other foot, it had reached the other side and disappeared into a fence. Which is so Yeah. The girl I was with looked at me panicked and said, What do we do? Because at this point, it was continue past the creature or turn around and run back past whatever was wailing in the trees. I guess there was some wailing in the trees. (laughs) (laughs) We just dropped that in there. Yeah, I don't know. Needless to say, I ended up saying, run. And we turned around and did not stop running until we ended up back at our apartment, slamming the door behind us. I actually went back the next morning because the way it vanished into the fence almost seemed as though there had to have been a hole in the in it that the creature walked through but when i went back it was, there was nothing there but a solid fence the whole way down no sign of anything from the night before so we're getting sh- we've got uh uh what's going on at this I know. place you might hear the hanged woman's feet on the roof of your car the wailing right. of a baby um you can park halfway down and you yeah you might see her hanging there you might see the guy who hung himself, you might hear the woman who uh, whose body was found in a suitcase, mm-hmm. or you might see a shadow creature. He might have a rectangular head or a diamond-shaped head. Maybe this place is like a portal or a vortex or something. Maybe. Like we were talking about in the last episode. Maybe this is old, all things. At the old spaghetti factory. It's everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like anything can come out of there. I guess. That's cool. It is what you make it. Yeah. Interesting. All right, well, well, before we move on, let's talk about something else that is what you make it. Sure. That is 
patreon.com slash gttu pod you got that right sis. that's a place where you can choose your own adventure we have a number of different tiers going all the way up to a tier that has an option for a bonus episode every single week from us we release something called the netherworld dispatch every monday which is our second podcast yeah most people have to wait every single week to hear from us yeah horrible can you imagine horrible. the nightmare can you imagine it's friday and you're like oh thank god i've got some guys of the unknown Whew. and then you're like oh no it's gonna be a long slow weekend without them <laughs> it's over and then you're facing monday no. oh man johnson's breathing down your neck about those reports no you don't want to be staring down the barrel of a monday without old chrissy and willie and luckily with patreon.com slash gttu pot on your side you don't have to you can start and end your week with guide to the unknown if you back us on patreon.com slash gttu pod mm-hmm. why just this past week Kristen, on Monday of this week, we dropped a new episode. Did you know that? You yeah. probably didn't. No, wait, what happened? Yeah. Where am I? Yeah, Kristen, she doesn't know what's going on. Oh. We did. We revived. We dusted off a format. Yeah. We brought back Ghost Adventures Adventures, mm-hmm. our short-lived spin-off podcast where we watch Ghost Adventures, the Zach Bagan ghost hunting extravaganza show. Yeah. Well, they have a new spin-off. Yes. Ghost Adventures has a new series called Ghost Adventures House Calls. Mm-hmm. Kristen and I watched the first episode together, yeah. actually, and then recorded a show with our reaction to it. And it's way weirder than you would think. It's very um, strange. Zach Bagans? He patches himself in. He's, only, he's working from home. He's working from home. He only calls into the show. Yeah. He says, at one point, people call and they say, our house is haunted. Can you guys help us? We need you to get rid of these spooky ghosts. Mm-hmm. And Zach Bagans goes... Well, fellas, looks like you're flying to Long Beach. <laughs> right. So they do, and then he just dials in over yeah. Zoom. But don't worry, he still gets like affected by he, ghosts over Zoom. He says multiple times, he's like, the fact that I'm connected uh, electronically means that I might be in danger over here as well. He makes sure to drive the point home. Oh, he sure does. Yeah. Then uh, he feels a little something. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing with a shock ending. Yes. A shock. It's very abrupt. <laughs> a shock ending. It's not very helpful to these people. No. No, no not at all. No. Anyway, you could have that literally right this second if you go sign up for patreon.com slash GTTUPod. I believe mm-hmm. that particular episode went out to our Demon and Banshee tiers. It did. But all the rules are laid out perfectly clearly. You can back us at whatever level is comfortable for you. No matter what tier you join, you're going to have a bunch of shows that unlock instantly. Mm-hmm. And shows that come out regularly going forward. So we really hope that you enjoy those things. Enjoy that show. Guess what? For Demons, there's another show coming this Monday. Yeah. Um, We already recorded it, and it's a goodie, I think. We did. It's it's yet another something different. We do a lot of experimental stuff there. So go check it out. It supports us. It keeps the lights on. And we cannot thank you enough. Absolutely. And I want to mention that there is a Discord associated with the Patreon. So that's like a big chat room just full of other guides to the unknown listeners. And it's super duper awesome. So you also get access to that, which is actually like a daily fun thing. People are posting in there every single day. Will and I post in there. And it rules. That's almost like run by the listeners, really. It is. You know? No, it totally is. Absolutely. Alex is our amazing... Are they called mods over there? I think they are. I think so. Or admin or something. Alex rules. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Um, But yeah, it's the Discord is super duper cool. I've been using that as social media more than other social media lately. Not saying it's me that way forever, but I really, really like the Discord. It's super cool. So so check it out. Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. And thank you to everybody who's already there. Absolutely. Okay, so I have another, if I may, if we may bounce back. Fine. (laughs) 
I have another uh, story from No Sleep. That's a two-parter. Oh. It, it might be a longie. It could take us on out. I don't know. But we'll really? see. It's it's possible. You know how much stuff I looked up? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you see how long my notes are? I know. They're eternal. They are they are they are eternal. They're as long as a tunnel. They are. Yeah. But They're as long as a CVS receipt. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to you might have to hang on to them. I might. Yeah. I might have to set them aside. Right. I've I've had to do the very same before right. and we have a log now. Then so be it, tell me a tale. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty cool tale. It's long. I thought about finding a way to abridge it, but I do feel like pretty much the stuff that's in it kind of adds up to something. So I wanted to keep it. Okay, good, because I only looked up crap that people would hate. <laughs> <laughs> William. Tell me a story. Okay. All right. So this is from the user Rick underscore the underscore intern um, who posted in No Sleep. And Rick, so I looked up Rick the intern. Same deal. I want to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much primarily posts about spooky stuff cool. and kind of fiction stuff. And there's even a Rick the intern subreddit, <laughs> which has, it, it's, there are like a hundred people who are part of it or whatever, but it has a fictional conceit that there's a guy named Rick who is a serial intern at places and he keeps running into paranormal stuff at the places that he's interned. <laughs> no matter where he goes, yeah. he gets a new job. Another monster. Wouldn't you know it? Yep. Um, but it's cool and fun. That's fun. Uh, That's a fun idea. Right. So here is Rick the Intern's post. And again, this will be in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out yourself. So the title for this is, In an old railway tunnel in the south, there are people that live upside down. Have you ever heard of the upside down folk? I hadn't. It was an urban legend I thought my college friend had probably made up. But seeing as how I, was a, how I was a film student and the town that legend was supposed to be from was roughly between my college campus and my parents and my parents' home, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to stop there with my camera, of course. I've been meaning to make a little ham-handed documentary of some creepy little urban legend or other. By the way, do you still call it an urban legend if it's in a rural area? I guess you just call it a folktale, although that term doesn't really seem to fit. We answered that question a few episodes back. We did. Well, you urban, did. Urban legend is a is is a, a, a misunderstood term. It does not right. have anything to do with urban environments. It what was the modern? Did, were they originally calling it modern legend? It, modern yeah. legend. Yes. That uh, the the misnomer is really they were trying to distinguish between ancient folklore that makes you think of fairies and bogs and natural world stuff mm -hmm. and these more you know modern tales where well here we've got a tunnel of people that live upside down right or yeah the car on lover's lane cars are not part of folklore mm -hmm. it's not that old it's yeah. something different so they came up with a new term they picked urban legend because it implied some sort of technological advancement yeah. Has nothing to do with literal urban environments. Yeah. I had no idea until you told me that in whatever. Jan Harold Brunvand. Oh, it was whatever episode. Richard Dawson. <laughs> Richard Dawson. It's a gross noise. It was whatever episode uh, we talked about. It was more. It was more New Jersey cryptids. That's the episode that we talk about the origin of urban legends. And yeah. in case you're curious. Yeah, it was Jan Harold Brunvand. I'm holding two of his books right this second. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I knew who his mentor was because he's the guy that actually coined the term. Right. But uh, uh, these books are fascinating about actual urban legends. Yeah. Um, 
so I guess I will paraphrase just a little bit. So he said he didn't know it for sure if it was his friend's hometown. And when he pressed his friend about it, he was kind of awkward and weird about it. And like, why does it matter? And um, he said that he did have some friends from high school who talked a lot about the upside down folk and that they supposedly lived upside down in an old railway tunnel and sometimes abducted people. Uh, so this person went and hit the road to visit this town that was in Alabama and isn't going to tell us the name of the town, probably for our safety. Of course. Uh, this was definitely a little town, population probably in the low hundreds, and the people were really friendly. And after exiting the highway... Now I'm back to him. I went down some heavily wooded county roads before being deposited into an old timey downtown looking area, downtown looking area. You know, the kind that has the old wooden buildings squeezed together, post office, liquor store, drugstore, grocery store and the like, like where we grew up. There yeah. was um, a general store, a liquor store and a post office just all together in a little thing. Um, so he on his way in, he never saw a sign with the town's name on it or anything. But he knew from his friend's description of his hometown that this had to be it. But still, he just kind of wanted to make sure. Yeah. So he went up to the clerk at the drugstore and said, you guys don't happen to have any gift shops dedicated to the upside down folk, do you? I've heard they've got something like that in Point Pleasant in West Virginia for the Mothman. Do what now? The clerk said he was an old man whose skin was tight and red from days and days in the sun. I'm a film student at the University of Alabama, and I want to make a documentary about your urban legend or folktale or whatever you want to call it, the upside down folk. Um, the guy said that he's going to have to speak up. He can't really hear him. So then the guy had to sort of yell the upside down folk to get him to hear. The clerk's face spasmed, became looser like a tight ball of yarn beginning to unspool. Behind me, a couple of people, it was a mother and her son, stopped their rustling around on some shelves, and they stopped their polite whispering. They all got still and quiet. That's one of them kids' things, the old drugstore clerk said. That's something those youngins like to talk about. You're going to have to ask them, or don't ask them. I'm a grown-ass man. Whereas before his expression had been all genial, even when he hadn't seemed to have heard me, after that it became as cross as a priest chastising someone in a church. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... You can find the upside down folk, said a voice behind me. Pass redacted, just away northwest of redacted in the woods. But it ain't exactly all woods. Mister, you'll see some. It's redacted like Liz does in Ghost in the Burbs. Yeah. Um, I turned around after the voice had been cut off. The mother was covering her son's mouth in the aisle they'd been shopping in. She looked scared. The son seemed to be in his early teens, maybe in middle school or junior high. Thank you, I said. The mother shook her head at me. This is a reverse Blair Witch. Yeah, totally. This is that that little girl covering her mom's mouth. Yep. Yeah. Um, I bought a few snacks in there as a thick, guilty sort of silence hung over everything. When I waved goodbye to those three in the drugstore, no one returned my wave. But the minute I stepped into the signless, taller building a few bu buildings down, I was serenaded with a, how are you? Welcome to the such and such, in the friendliest voices you could ever imagine. Face-splitting grins, laughing at everything I said. You guys really ought to have a sign out front, probably bad for business. In other contexts, that might have pissed some people off telling them how to run their business, but the motel clerk, handyman, and motel owner laughed their asses off at that. They were all at the front and eager to please anyone who walked through the door. The motel owner, the older woman who seemed dressed up for a ball, kept calling me Golden Boy after I told her I was studying film in college and looking to shoot a documentary there. I bit my tongue when I almost mentioned the Upside Down folk. They didn't ask what the documentary in their town would be about. 
Shit, I thought I should have been filming in the drugstore earlier. That would have been great. After I rented a room, I got my suitcase and gear out of my car, went upstairs, and unloaded it into a small but clean and antiquely furnished room. Then I took my camera equipment out. No tripod, just a mic and my camera on my shoulder. I thought it might be grittier if I didn't use a tripod. I worked myself up, set a few lines into the microphone, and went downstairs. I lowered the camera when I got to the front desk. Okay, if I ask you a couple things for the documentary, I said to the clerk, a young woman who seemed about my age. The hotel manager owner, who was seeming more and more like her grandmother or something, leaned out from a side room. Sure, darling, we don't mind. Not for you, golden boy. I waited for the younger woman to nod. Okay. I did some lead-up questions, as you do for interviews. Can't very well jump into controversial ones at the start. The young woman, whose name was Bethany Ann, was shy but very nice, and once she opened up, she had a lot to say about their motel business, where she grew up, and other things like that. Um, her father had died from alcoholism and possession. Possession, I said. You mean of drugs? You mean he got in trouble with the law for possession of drugs? No, she said. A devil got inside him. Oh, I said. I let out an uneasy breath. A devil got inside me, she said, but I shook it loose. Her mother was next to her, nodding affirmation. Okay, I said, thinking to myself, even if these people are acting, this is going to be gold. I took a moment to double check to make sure I'd been recording, and I hadn't even gotten to the Upside Down folk yet. Now, I just want to stop right there and say, I grew up in a small southern city myself. The last thing I want to do is perpetuate some unfortunate stereotypes of southern people. We're not all crazy behind the times rednecks who think that every other spirit, every other ailment is related to something spiritual. And I don't think many of those people in that town were that way either. That young woman I talked to conducted herself as intelligently as many of my college, as, as intelligently as many of my college peers did, and she seemed to have more ambition than a lot of them to boot. So when I mentioned the upside down folk to them, the mother did something weird. Instead of covering her daughter's mouth as the mother in the drugstore had done with her son to shut him up, this one rushed over and put her hands over both of her daughter's ears. The grandmother, I mean mother and proprietor of the motel, struck me as the kind of person who liked to nod a lot when others were talking, in affirmation, in interest, or just to let you know she was listening. Now she was nodding furiously, even though her smile said otherwise. You let us know if you need anything, she said. Okay, I just wanted to get a little more for the, we got to get back to business now, she said. The drawl in her tone sweet, but sweet like rotten molasses. Sweet like it, rotten molasses. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that. Yeah. It's a little, a little overly precious. I like that. Yeah. It got to be the evening not long after I settled in. I kicked my feet up on the desk beside the bed and I sighed at the wall where I thought a TV should be. Someone knocked on my door. It was the handyman and he had a bowl full of what appeared to be chicken, vegetables, and dumplings in a thick white sauce. Toast on the side, a bottle of soda with his metal cap beside it. Cool vapor smoked out of the top of the bottle. It all looked and smelled very good. I never ordered room service, I said. Must be for someone else. There's no one else here, he said, and we ordinarily don't have room service anyways. All right, I said, I'll take it. How much do I owe you? On the house, this he said. This is my dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the house, he said, he gave me a meaty smile. Mm. Let me know if that's enough. I can make some something more for you if you want. As I walked off with the tray, I noticed the handyman lingering. I quickly, I quickly set the tray down on the desk and began fishing my wallet out for a tip. Don't bother, he said. I was just going to say about the upside down folk. I overheard you talking about them to the ladies. Wait, I thought. I don't even have my camera out. Hold that thought, I started to say as I moved toward my camera case. I just wanted to tell you not to mention them again to the ladies. You do that one thing, it will be right as rain. You do that one thing, and I'll fix you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I lifted my hand from the camera, the camera case's zipper. Uh, okay. 
That night, as I lay in bed streaming some old Naked Night episodes on my phone, I thought about the two brief directions that the boy in the drugstore had given me before he'd been cut off by his mother. I decided that the next day I would just have to try and find the place where the upside down folks said they were to be, or, or were said to be. Said to be by that kid, anyway. I'd take a camera down there and see for myself. If anything, I might get some rustic footage of scenery that's appealing for the documentary. After that, maybe I'd go back to questioning people around town. The next day, I'd just dive right on into the deep end, as they say. i try to swim straight to the source. I didn't get then just how deep that was going to get. There was a tunnel, and I started to drift to sleep, and another knock at the door. At first, I thought I was dreaming. I got up heart pounding too hard for that to be a dream. Maybe the knock, maybe the, oh, maybe the knock had been like a dream. But then I opened the door. There was a blank envelope. I thought I heard movements on the stairs, shadows in the dim hallway, only shadows. What could this envelope be about? I picked it up inside a short letter handwritten. Don't, but if you must, it's vitally important that you finish their song. They will sing as they come towards you in the tunnel. Finish their song with, Oh ho, dirt to toe, the right side up, the right side up folk we be. Otherwise, your life will be theirs. I looked around again before taking the letter back inside with me. I quickly shut and locked my motel room door. I couldn't understand it. Was I being pranked or was this a legitimate effort to help me? Was it some kind of threat? And what was it? What was that about singing? My college friend had neglected to mention that part. And I was neglecting to film any of this. I put the letter down on the desk, shone a lamp on it, and with shaking hands got out my camera. As I filmed the short, unsigned letter, I I did my best to summarize what had just happened. I didn't know about all that singing business. What I did know was that the next day, I'd have to be on my guard. Wow. All right, part two. All right, here we go. I was planning on getting a late start the following day. I did not sleep well. I didn't know how much of that was because of the anonymous letter about the upside down folk or because of the already unsettled feeling prior to that. My plans for a late start were shattered, though, when I got another knock at my door about 7 a.m. that moment, uh, that morning. Needless to say, that woke me up pretty quickly. I opened the door to the handyman who was bearing another tray of food, eggs, bacon, cheese grits, and a stack of pancakes with a hearty coating of maple syrup and butter. A cup of milk, a cup of orange juice, and a bottle of water were on the side. Breakfast, the handyman grunted at me. He wore a big smile. Though there was nothing about him to remind me of his request last night not to speak of the upside-down folk to the motel owner and her daughter again, that request was implied by the tray of food. He said he would fix breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me. He'd said he would do that and that we'd be okay as long as I wouldn't speak of the upside-down folk again to the others. Here was that breakfast. I remember wondering if I could talk to him about the upside-down folk, if that would be okay. I was also on the verge of asking him about the letter that someone had delivered the previous night after knocking. As I opened my mouth, his smile slipped just a tad. That threw me off. At any rate, I accepted I accepted the breakfast. I told him it looked great, that last night's dinner was excellent, and that I would be okay if they decided to add it to my credit card. I'm happy you liked it, he said. It's still on the house, he winked. Hope you enjoy that one, too. I take a special pride in my breakfast. First meal of the day is the most important. Then the handyman turned and went back down the hallway towards the stairs. Wait, I called after him. He stopped, but he did not turn around. Did you guys get any late night visitors last night? I said. There was a pause. I'm not at liberty to discuss that, he said. We respect the privacy of all our patrons. Well, I said, maybe it wasn't a patron. Maybe it was just someone who stopped by. You see, I got a letter. That sounds interesting, the handyman said, but I got to go check on a room that's been leaking. Sorry. Before I could say another word, he went around the corner and was heading downstairs. 
Once again, I'd missed an opportunity to get some potentially intriguing footage for my little Upside Down Folk documentary. I thought I probably should have my camera ready for any knock at the door, but I'd be leaving soon anyway for my day's adventures. Adventure is not the right word for what ended up happening that day, but that's the way I thought of it then. I quickly ate breakfast, which, despite the runniness of the eggs that was not my preference, was as good as it looked and smelled. Then I got my gear ready. On top of my camera, I went ahead and mounted a special flashlight that I brought. According to the legend, there was supposed to be an old train tunnel that the Upside Down folk lived in. I didn't want to miss a shot of some scratches on the ceiling or something because I hadn't been able to see well enough. I would have waited until I got closer to set all that up, but I was planning to shoot everything I could on the way up there. So I put my camera on my shoulder, turned on record, and left my motel room. I was mulling over whether or not I should try to ask the motel clerk or her mother some questions before I left, while being careful not to mention the upside-down folk, but when I went downstairs, they weren't at the front desk. They didn't seem like the kind of people that would leave their post, even though they weren't exactly busy. I heard some commotion in the side room behind the desk, so I figured they'd stepped away. Then I began to wonder if maybe they had stepped away because they had heard me coming down the stairs. I filmed their absence, and once outside the motel, I also filmed some passersby. Figured if anyone complained, I'd stop. I tried to ask two middle-aged women walking toward the grocery store if they were okay for a brief interview. They just said, good morning, smiled at me, and kept walking. Another woman was dragging along her two kids as they stared at me. Did the whole town, as little as it was, have some kind of group text going? Had they all been talking about me? Well, I hadn't planned on interviewing anyone else before I went to the supposed source anyway, so I just got in my car with the brief directions that other kid in the drugstore had given me. He hadn't told me which direction in the first street he'd mentioned was the first street he'd mentioned was in, but I pretty quickly figured it out with my phone's GPS. Going west, I left the motel, drug and grocery stores, sheriff's station, and all the other buildings in that old-timey town center behind. I quickly passed the first street that the boy in the drugstore had said I would. On the next road, he mentioned, I I I suppose I was meant to take a left or a right. I ended up taking a right because he'd said something about going northwest off the second street. All that time, I was passing homes of some of the townspeople, everything from trailer homes to cottages and ranch-style houses. I saw a field of cotton and a few cows peering at my car from behind a rusted barbed wire fence. The road I'd taken right, the road I'd taken a right on eventually dead-ended. Large-bladed grass and vine-clad trees formed an almost barrier around the dead end. I say almost barrier because I could see a path through on the right, a little walking path of many feet having trod it down. And already through this window in the vegetation, I glimpsed the ruins of an old building beyond. I parked my car in the grass just past the dead end. I got out, put my camera on my shoulder, and put that sucker on record. Time for that rustic scenery, I thought. Beyond the dead end, there were abandoned buildings and shacks poking out of the trees and undergrowth. Thick vines and weeds sometimes grew out of open doorways and windows like internal organs coming out of mouths. The further I went, the more it became apparent that this all had been either an old abandoned sector of the town or else its own town. Who'd been living here and why they abandoned it? Had they been the ancestors of those I'd seen or another people entirely? Rust and decay were everywhere and the vegetation of the woods busted and broke those buildings where possible. After about an hour of wandering through those ruins, I spotted a a railway running through the high grass. When I followed that railway, I saw it, a long structure that extended into the woods, disappearing behind thicker growth, the tunnel. I'd been, filling, I'd been filming everything I could. 
By then, I began to worry that my camera would slip out of my sweating, shaking hands. I remember pausing to put my camera down, wiping my sweaty hands on my shirt and rest for a minute. Then I put my camera back on my shoulder and stepped onto the old railway. From there, I could easily see the dark mouth of the tunnel. I filmed all the way up to it, taking, talking all the while. I'm not sure how much of that was for dramatic effect for the documentary or just to calm my nerves. It, it quickly became apparent as I got closer that, were, that there was no light at the end of that tunnel. Just before entering the railway tunnel, I stopped at its outer edges. The old stone was cracked in places, but none of it appeared to have crumbled at least not near the front of it. Why couldn't I see the light from the opening on the other end? Had there been a cave-in further down? Or had the woods on the other side completely or nearly completely or, or nearly completely obscured the light? Maybe, I thought, the tunnel curves further ahead. I switched on the flashlight I had mounted on my camera and shined it into the tunnel. I didn't see any spiderwebs or rats or anything moving around, but that tunnel went much further than my light could penetrate. I stepped inside. The ground was wet and soft. When I shined my light over the bottom of the tunnel, there seemed to be a layer of detritus of dead leaves and perhaps other dead things. It seemed to be yellowish red and it even covered the railway tracks themselves. Won't be any trains coming anytime soon, I joked aloud. It didn't take, it didn't take long for me to wish I'd not spoken in that tunnel. My voice echoed around until it no longer seemed to belong to me. I walked for a long time, painting the ceilings and walls with my camera-mounted flashlight recording everything I pointed my camera at. I did see scratches, and I saw indentations on the ceiling that looked like footprints or claw marks of some large animals. That almost made me turn back. But in, but in the name of my little documentary and the creepy footage I thought I was getting, I persisted. I kept telling myself that the tunnel would curve and then I would begin to see the light. I kept looking back at the way behind me, sometimes because I thought I heard something other than my own movement, and I kept noticing how that circle of light was receding. It got to the point that I wondered if railway tunnels were supposed to be this long. Maybe I was going under a hill or something. I'd been walking in that tunnel for maybe 45 minutes to an hour when I first heard it. Something was moving up ahead beyond the beam of my light. Tentative at first, a little scattered, but then a little bit more organized. It was also about that time that I saw a hole in the upper wall. I shined my light into it. It was a large burrow. <coughs> I could see a little into that burrow. Within, there was a couch hanging upside down as if nailed or glued to the ceiling. I cursed under my breath. I started to go back, walking so as not to attract attention. Then I heard the singing. It began low as an echoing whisper. I started walking more quickly back towards the railway tunnel entrance. More voices joined and the volume grew. I can't recall all the lyrics, but I can tell you that what they sang had to do with making other things upside down. At one point, they even sang about dismembering a human body and rearranging its parts so that it could move more easily upside down. As the volume increased, so did the number of voices. It struck me how quickly they were gaining volume until I understood them to be running toward me as they sang. I turned around and I saw them and filmed them. I did not see all of them before turning back around, only a bunch of pairs of gangly limbs hanging down. Those arms were freakishly long, long enough to reach toward the bottom of the railway tunnel. They were all moving together, like some kind of upside-down train. That's when I started running. My camera, still on record, bounced along on my shoulder. The singing intensified. The closer they got, the more I realized something I've been trying to avoid thinking about. The closer they got, the more those voices sounded less and less human. I also realized that I could not run fast enough to get away. They would overtake me, and those arms... 
that note I'd gotten. I braided myself for not bringing it, even though I doubted I would have had enough time to stop and reread it. What was I supposed to sing back to them? The singing got so close that I was becoming too frantic, so much so that I was not paying attention. One of my feet snagged in the old rails beneath the detritus. My camera flew out of my hands and off my shoulder. I fell on my face, tasting the awful, mysterious rot on the floor of the tunnel. They were just above, like a crowd or a horde of people suddenly stopped. I thought I could feel a long fingernail of one of those dangling arms scratching the back of my neck, even though they were way up on the ceiling and I was face down on the bottom of the tunnel. Then, in voices that by now were so inhuman that they were that they were like knives cutting away the strands of my nervous system, they sang, Hi ho diddly o, the upside down folk we be. Hold toe and answer below. Who, pray tell, are ye? I remembered from the note that I'd gotten that this would be the final line, the final line of their song. I did not know what that meant for me, but I had some theories. I was supposed to sing something back or else. Oftentimes fear makes us forget things, but I think it must have helped me recall the lines that I'd read that previous night. I twisted around on my back. I did not open my eyes. I heard a kind of eh, eh, eh from one of the things above me. I was on the verge of I was on the verge of tears as I sang, "Oh ho, dirt to toe, the right side folk up we be." Eh, eh, eh," said a folk above. So, uh, said a voice above. Something touched my forehead. Please, I said, please. Then there was like a breath or a collection of breaths that ran through the tunnel. It stirred my hair around. It was so rancid that I stopped breathing out of my nose. Eventually, I opened my eyes. Whatever it was that had been pursuing me and then was above me, they were gone. I retrieved my camera, finding it to be still on and recording, and I hauled tail out of that railway tunnel. I sprinted all the way back through the wooded ruins of that old, abandoned town. I only paused to suck in oxygen. Even after I got in my car and ripped up dirt and grass to get back on the street, I kept peering in my rearview mirror as I drove. While I didn't linger in the still populated and running downtown area, I did stop by long enough to check out of the motel and file a report at the sheriff's. I was curt with Bethany Ann and her mother at the front desk when I checked out. At the sheriff's, I gave some bullshit report about how I'd been chased in the tunnel by some dangerous looking people. I just wanted someone to go down there and check it out. A shriveled old man whose badge seemed to take up half his chest blinked at me with hollow looking eyes. We get reports about that place all the time, he said. Best to stay clear of old town and its train tunnel. That was as much as I got from the sheriff in response, but I didn't hang around to get more information about those other reports. I was eager to leave that town and the other town with its train tunnel next to it behind. At my parents' home during my summer break, directly after all that happened, I got wishy-washy about the documentary. Without reviewing it, I downloaded all the footage I'd taken to my computer, and then I deleted it. Then I restored it from my recycle bin. I slept on it uneasily, but before deciding to permanently delete it. But not long after that, I noticed it was still on my computer. The footage, footage that might include the upside-down folk themselves, was for some reason was for some reason or another difficult to get rid of. I left it there for the time being, while still not having the courage to review it just yet. Then something else happened. I'd never slept walked before. But one night, about a week after I visited that town, I woke up sitting in the driver's side of my vehicle parked outside of my parents' house. My keys were in my pocket. I woke up thinking about that tunnel and the upside down folk. What if I had tried to drive back out there, even though I didn't want to? What if I went into that tunnel again, but this time I didn't sing the words I was supposed to because I was too afraid or because... 
After that, I permanently deleted the footage on my computer and I sold that computer towards buying myself a new one. I spent the following days making myself as busy as possible so that I would not think of the upside down folk. By the end of that summer, I was feeling better about things and I was even wishing I'd kept my footage. As for my college friend, the one who had first told me about the upside down folk, I wasn't able to reach him by phone that summer or afterward. The following semester, I couldn't find him on campus. When I searched the student directories, I got nothing, and he had never been on social media to begin with. That's the end. That's the end. (laughs) So what's the implication about the friend, that he was some sort of a salesperson for the upside down folk? Yeah, I guess he was like, yeah, somehow lured him to the tunnel to go check it out. I want you to hear our song. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a bop. It's, (laughs) you're gonna like it. But yeah, to perhaps like get somebody to go into the tunnel and maybe hopefully he would be taken by the upside down folk, but they didn't bank on Bethany telling him the song, Bethany Ann, to sing back so he could be, you know, saved or whatever. I like that they have a couch. Yeah. That is hanging from the the, the tunnel ceiling. Mm-hmm. And the implication is that they can sit in that couch. I guess so. So they... And they have the longest arms ever. Right. They don't adhere to gravity. No. But are they... Did they used to be human or are they... I don't know. Uh, we don't know. Mm. They sounded human when they started singing the song. But the closer but they, they got, got mm-hmm. the less human they sounded. Right. And, they and want- it seems like people in town are squirrely. About right. the upside down folk, and that was its own town. So he said that when he originally, Old town. right, when he originally like went and found it, he was like, "Are these people's relatives? Were they a, an entirely different people in yeah, yeah. in general? Maybe they were like a, a humanoid troop, right? Some other evolution." Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. That was fun. Yeah, that, that was a that was a fun a fun story. Yeah, that was a cool story. I like that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I like the fingernails reaching down and touching the back of his neck. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, all that stuff of like, I tried to delete the file, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't delete. Yeah. That's so part of like modern internet scary stories. Yeah. Like urban legend as an outdated term, we should mm-hmm. have like, we should call scary stories like cyber horror. E-legends. Now you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, that was great. That was super yeah. cool. Who, who wrote that? That was Rick the Intern. Rick the Intern. Yep. So look up Rick underscore mm-hmm. the underscore intern on Reddit if you want to see more of what they've written. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I will. Yeah. That was like a, honestly, that was pretty good commercial for Rick the Intern. I thought that was pretty rad. <laughs> I know. I thought it was a good story. I, I, you know, the like, the town local color was long, but it sort of added to this like sure. isolated. It all builds. Small town sort of stuff. It all builds. Yeah. Very cool, everybody. Well, there you go. Tunnels. There you go. Tunnels. That's Scary right. places. There might be a ghost, mm-hmm. a hanging person. They might rock your car back and forth. Yeah. Who knows what the hell they're going to do down there? They might also be dangling from the, the ceiling and try to grab you and take you apart and make you... So that you could hang upside down. With them? Yeah. Like, you're going to be like, oh, you're right. This is better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe you're dead and they just like you as a weird little ornament. Ow. Ow. ow, ow, Oh. oh, 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 You know, this couch is pretty comfy. Huh. I like it. This ain't bad. I kind of feel like singing. (laughs) Oh, dee do 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 I also like that he said the lines and the things on the ceiling just went, eh, Mm -hmm. eh, 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 eh. no idea what that was, but like, I don't know. know. That's just what they did. Right. What do you want me to explain it? I can't explain it. That's just what they did. I don't know what to tell you. That's what happened. That's what happened. Right. 
That's like a, a dose of like, you can't explain everything. Yeah, right. Bizarre. I don't know. That's what they were like. Totally. Uh, super cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thank yeah. you so much for hanging out with us. We hope that you had a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, heard some good old fashioned spooky stuff. That's right. We'll be back next week for more. Until that time comes, go follow at GTTUPod on all social media. Uh, flip through some TikToks. Why not? Press the like button. Thumbs ups and hearts and subscribe. Please. Slap a button. All of that. Everything. Smush all those buttons. Smush whatever buttons. you got. Whatever you have. That's Just right. smush them all. And like we said, check out patreon.com slash pod to support the show and get tons of bonuses. Absolutely. You can also follow us individually. Yep. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I'm at The Myth Traveler. So we'll see you all next week. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go wait. My You're father. killing You're him! You're killing him! <laughs> <laughs>